Donald Trump and the Trump administration are officially starting their 17-day working vacation in New Jersey. As a catch-up for anyone who's just hearing this story, their reasoning for going on this 17-day vacation or working vacation is because the White House needs long-term renovations. So the AC is out, and in Washington, D.C., that's not a very good place to not have air conditioning, you see. Lots of A's and C's and acronyms there. Anyway, that doesn't mean that Donald Trump is taking the day off, as many people are accusing. Donald Trump was up early this morning on Twitter. Donald Trump tweets, The failing New York Times, which has made every wrong prediction about me, including my big election win, parentheses, apologized, is totally inept. The Trump base is far bigger and stronger than ever, despite some phony fake news polling. Look at rallies in Penn, Iowa, Ohio, and West Virginia. The fact that the fake news rushing collusion story, record stock market, border security, military strength jobs, Supreme Court pick, economic enthusiasm, deregulation, and so much more have driven the Trump base even closer together will never change. Okay, there's a, that was about four tweets in a row, and let's um, unpack some of that. So the New York Times and other polling firms are continuing to show that Obama is losing support uh, among independents, individuals who voted for him. The ones, uh, people who do not like him have said that they strongly dislike him um, and that it looks like it's just his base that he's clinging to. There's a few op-eds out there uh, talking about how Trump is turning to things like the travel ban and uh, talking about limiting things like legal immigration in order to get support from his base as you know, Donald Trump kind of began his political career on largely cultural issues. Donald Trump, as you can probably tell, went into a bit of a landslide of just mouth garbage there at the end, kind of a, a petering off into a list of things and policy topics. Um, but he did, you know, get that main point across that he dislikes fake news and any polls that show that he's headed in a downward direction are, of course, from fake periodicals. That is at least the point that Donald Trump is making. Donald Trump also tweets, hard to believe that with 24-7 hashtag fake news on CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, New York Times, and WAPO, the Trump base is getting stronger. Mr. President, you're right. That is hard to believe because it's not happening. For more on Trump Tweets Explained, you're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro. Next to the news on North Korea. Recently, the United Nations Security Council voted unanimously 15-0 to to enact sanctions, mostly on trade, but on a few other things also on North Korea. This effort was led by United States Ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley, and it was all in response to North Korea sending two intercontinental ballistic missiles basically into the air and then kind of into the ocean uh, during missile tests that occurred last month in July. North Korea has responded to these international sanctions by calling out the United States and in an official North Korean statement run on KCNA News, which is a government state-run news agency in North Korea, they say the following. We will balance the United States' felonious crimes against our country and our people with something thousands of times worse. And if the U.S. does not retract its attempts to crush us to death and behave prudently, we will be ready and not hesitate to take ultimate measures. 
Now in the United States, we generally don't have state-run media. We do have some publicly funded media, uh, you know, places like NPR, uh, which by the way are some of the most unbiased sources of news. However, it's a little bit different in North Korea, where the point of the state-run media is to basically shepherd people into particular types of thinking and to reinforce ideas of supremacy of that country's leaders. That's a bit different than what we think of in America as as an unbiased press. For more on the differences between authoritarian and democratic news agencies, you're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro, and this is a democratically news agency. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let's talk about taxes. <laughs> no, 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 not for this year. You're, you're probably good unless you like cheated on your taxes or something and you have to get all that sorted out with the IRS. I'm talking about tax reform. So we're gonna be hearing a lot about tax reform in the coming weeks and months as that tends to be what I, I think is gonna be on the Senate's agenda and also the House of Representatives, just Congress. Congress is gonna push healthcare to the side probably for a bit and look at tax reform. It's something that the GOP has wanted to get to for quite a while and specifically something you're going to be hearing about a lot is about corporate taxes. Republicans in Congress make the claim over and over again that the United States has the highest corporate tax rate in the world. Uh, President Trump even uh, talked about it last Thursday when he was in Huntington, West Virginia and of course uh, Speaker of the House Paul Ryan who kind of fancies himself a finance and policy wonk uh, talks about this uh, you know high corporate tax rate a lot. So is this true? Yeah, the United States has a pretty darn high corporate tax rate. However, there are some loopholes that allow them to not pay as much as, you know, the, the ticket price or the sticker price for taxes. If you look at that sticker price uh, and you combine federal, state, and local taxes on, uh, you know, businesses, large corporations in the United States, you usually see a bottom line of about 39 to 40% uh, of taxation. Trump and Republicans in Congress want to lower that 39-40% to 15%. Although Speaker of the House Paul Ryan has said that something more like 20 or 25% is more likely. The real question that's going to come into play is what do businesses do with the extra cash that they would have lying around if they weren't taxed as heavily, right? So one argument goes that when you have more money lying around, you're going to invest it in people, right? You're going to uh, raise wages for individuals. You're going to hire more people so that your company can be more productive. However, nowadays, that logic is pretty thin. When you are a, uh, you know, a profit-driven business, you have a lot of options other than hiring more people and creating jobs uh, when you have extra revenue, uh, you know, extra capital to put into your business from lack of taxation. You can upgrade technology, um, you can you can get new office space, like you can do infrastructure type things, right? It's not all about hiring and firing people. Um, and so the idea that this may actually grow the economy, uh, at least for the people at the bottom who need jobs and, and you know, higher starting wages is not altogether a great argument. And while it may have been more convincing in the past, technological advances make it so that it's much easier to just buy technology that does automated work rather than paying to uh, you know bring in a new salaried employee into your business. 
Anyway, we'll see how this whole debate plays out in the House and the Senate in the weeks and months to come. I just thought it'd be interesting that we uh, all got it kind of at the top of our heads that you know tax rates and corporate tax rates specifically are going to be something that are talked about by our representatives in the near future, and we should all be cognizant of that. For more things that you should be cognizant of, you're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro. American public opinion may be hitting a point where it's having an identity crisis. A majority of Americans say that you know part of being American and something that they want in immigrants is the ability to speak English. However, at the same time, a new study from Pew Research suggests that most Americans view openness to foreigners just in general as essential to who we are as a nation. So as a nation, as America, how do we actually feel towards immigration? You know, what do we want our policies to look like? How do we want people who are different than us to be treated in America? Now, like so many other things that are being pulled on today, there is, of course, a Democrat-Republican divide. Among Democrats and independents leaning in the Democratic direction, 84% think that America's openness uh, to you know people unlike us when it comes to immigration is essential to our identity as a nation. For Republicans and independents who lean Republican, that number goes down from 84% to about 48%. So you just kind of flip the numbers there. The divide on this opinion is also apparent among younger and older generations of Americans, with about 8 in 10 or 81% younger uh, adults, so people um, younger than 30 who were surveyed saying that you know being open to all people is essential to our identity. Only about 6 in 10 of individuals who are 50 or older uh, say the same. So you have those 30 and under, 50 and older, but note that it's still a majority. We still generally think, despite our ages, uh, that we should be accepting of people who, or whatever, for whatever reason, we should be more accepting. That's part of our American identity. I, for one, generally think that exposure to people who, you know, can't speak my language or look different than me is a good thing because you can begin to humanize, uh, you know, those individuals who you may otherwise seen as kind of just a blank slate other, kind of like an enemy, right? I mean, we are humans, right? We have kind of a, a fight or flight, uh, you know, belief. Uh, we, we, we activate our surveillance systems when we, we encounter a new and novel people and ideas and strange environments. Um, and so the more, I guess, normalized uh, you could become with people who are unlike you or the more accepting you are of spending time with them, uh, you know, this probably will pan out well for learning to be accepting of all types of people, beliefs, thoughts, and ideas. And even when you take immigrants out of the equation, that seems to be a skill that a lot of us need in the United States today in 2017. Uh, for more life tips on politics, you're listening to Politics Explained. I'm Ian Shapiro.